Good morning, Truth. You are about to listen to what was originally supposed to be Sunday's sermon, but due to technical difficulties, this message was unable to go forth on Sunday. I'm just believing this message was meant to be heard by someone who may not necessarily tune into our Sunday services. So to God be the glory. I want to speak briefly to you about the perfect and permissive will of God. As I dive into this scripture, I want to introduce two key scriptures. The first one is Romans 12 and 2, which most of you know very well. But I want to read the second part of it, which is usually not recited. It reads, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to rest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The second scripture is 1 Peter 2, 15 through 16. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. As we study these scriptures, we learn how to derive at God's will and what should be the outcome of God's will. In Romans 12 and 2, the first thing that is made very clear is that if you are striving to walk according to the will of God, you cannot follow the patterns of the world. If you are doing everything, approaching everything, responding to everything according to the same way that the rest of the world does, you can trust that you are not exalting the will of God. Those who desire to walk in the will of God walk differently. They talk differently. They act differently. They react differently. They dress differently. Their entertainment is different. The places they go and avoid going is a bit different. Why? Because those who truly desire to walk in the will of God are so committed to the renewing of their minds. They are so committed to aligning their thinking and their ways with God. The scripture goes on to solidify for us as it reads after addressing the issue that we can't walk in God's will while following the world. The solidifying component of the scripture pronounces then you will be able to rest and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then is the key because until you turn from the ways of the world until you become consumed with the renewing of your mind you cannot rest in the will of God the second scripture is also worthy of dissecting as we deal with the topic of the perfect and permissive will of God first Peter 2 15 through 16 says because it lays an outline for what 
is the outcome of following God's perfect will. As it reads, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Wow, that's pretty to the point. The scripture is telling us when we commit to God's will, when we commit to God's way, which comes to us through the word of God, we should be able to silence foolishness. So why is there so much foolishness in the world? Why is there so much foolish talk? Because believers are not committed. Believers are not submitted to the will of God. Believers are not submitted to the way and the word of God. Plain and simple. Notice this scripture also addresses our freedom, which we will talk a little bit more about momentarily. God gave us free will and the scripture instructs us not to use that gift of freedom to cover up evil, to mislabel sins, or to minimize our sin. Jeremiah 29 and 11 reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. These words sound pretty good coming from God. Wouldn't you say, how much more do we need? If God wants to prosper us, if God himself wants to withhold harm from us, this sounds like a deal. It sounds like an easy sign up. The problem is our humanistic minds tend to think we have a better way or a faster way or a more enjoyable way to get to the prosperity that we long for, to get to the things that we want to enjoy in life. So we bow down to our flesh and we forget Romans 12 and 2 and begin to follow the ways of the world and doing things the world's way. Because after all, they seem to be living their best life. And that leads me to introduce to you what some have deemed as God's permissive will. Someone recently asked me, I decided to marry a non-Christian man and he's open to hearing about my faith and I know I did not follow God's perfect will for my life. But isn't my marriage covered under God's permissive will? We have adopted the idea which implies that God has a unique and perfect plan for each of us. But if we as, be as believers just take a detour because he loves us and after all he will never forsake or leave us, then he gives us a pass when we tend not to follow his plan. The problem with this line of thought is first and foremost, it's not biblical. Though oftentimes we try to attach various biblical texts to support our actions, truth is there is no suitable alternative to God's will and God's plan. We exalt the term God's permissive will as if we have the ability to negotiate the plans of God based on our own plans. Perfect example is Israel. God's perfect will for Israel was that they enter into the promised land directly after being freed from slavery upon their departure from Egypt. 
However, their detour along the way was due to their disobedience. And God's permissive will allowed them to wander in the desert for 40 years, as opposed to striking them down for their disobedience. Some of us have been wandering around in circles, never really being grounded in anything, unproductive, just existing. I have been there myself, not wanting to follow God's plan for my life. Wanderers never fulfill their purpose. Now don't get it twisted. There are some wanderers who have made some money and have accumulated an abundance of stuff, but they have not found inner peace. So they try to fill the empty void with sex, alcohol, drugs, and material things. Which leads me to the point of of the second problem of maintaining a mentality concerning God's permissive will. The concept of God's permissive will tends to justify our sin while discounting the jewels of the kingdom which God has stored up for us. Embracing the concept of God's permissive will turns the clear-cut directives of God into gray areas, putting us in the middle of the road. How many of you know that the middle of the road is Satan's territory? Because it's the place where we have not fully decided to follow God's path. Bottom line, is when you are extended the permissive will of God. It's because you have disobeyed God, because you have sinned against God. There should be no pride or comfort in walking in the permissive will of God. It's not like we're buying a car and we say, well, the perfect car for me would have seat warmers and power adjusting side view mirrors, but I can live just fine without those additional options. It's not like that. To knowingly disregard God's plan for our lives is sin, nothing less. The Israelites wandered the desert for 40 years because of their sin, because their sin angered God, who disciplined them for their disobedience. They weren't following God's permissive will for their lives. They were walking in disbelief and sin. And because of their exaltation of the permissive will of God, only two got to walk into the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. Deuteronomy 1, 32-36. If you read the scripture, you'll find Moses talking to the Israelites and he says, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore that no one from this evil generation would see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephaniah. He will see it 
and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Moses continues and he says, because of you, the Lord became angry with me and also said, you shall not enter either, but your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter. Missing the promised land doesn't sound like people following in the footsteps of any will of God. Permissive by definition means only to not hinder one's freedom of behavior. God wants a sincere love from us. And a sincere love cannot be exalted without freedom. Real love is never forced. Real love is not enslaved or manipulated, which is why God allows us to freely choose his will, to freely choose his way. Love cannot exist without trust. If you love God, trust his will, trust his plan, and trust his way. John 14 and 15 is clear as it reads, If you love me, keep my commandments. Again, knowingly following and settling for God's permissive will for our lives is making the choice to rebel against God Almighty. When we make a choice to sin against God, we have also defamed and blasphemed his name by providing an inaccurate portrayal of who God is. Proverbs 18.13 charges us to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. And we all must also be mindful of Matthew 7:21, which reads, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father. The term God's permissive will is a cushy term we have implemented to label our actions which align with our disobedience to the will of God. His permissive will is basically God's exaltation of grace and mercy, as opposed to just striking us down for our blatant disobedience. His permissive will warrants our repentance. In 1 Samuel 15, 23, God rejects Saul as king because of his disobedience. Scripture reads, for rebellion is the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of God, he has also rejected you as king. When you reject the word of God, you have also rejected the position and the purpose and all that he has stored up for you. We have to be very careful about becoming comfortable living in what is deemed as the permissive will of God because God's grace runs out. I've had heard many try to justify having children out of wedlock and trust and believe. I am not here to condemn or pass judgment because I have not always lived a saved life and I myself have had children outside of wedlock. 
but I am charged to tell you the truth, even when it applies to me. But even in my sin, the one thing I never tried to do was justify my acts of sin. There are some who I have counseled and when we get to the topic of sexual sins, they throw up a wall defending having children out of wedlock. And the most common response is, well, my children are my heart and my soul. And if I hadn't crossed that line of sin, they wouldn't be here. Let me explain it to you this way. We are supposed to love our children with all our heart. And it is amazing that we can't even imagine our life without them. But know this, it is very arrogant. It's very small-minded and almost blasphemous for us to think for one moment that we have the power to shut down anything God has purposed or ordained. And it's just as arrogant and hypocritical for us to think that God Almighty, the one who detests sin, needed us to bring purpose into the world. He needed us to sin to bring that purpose into this world. Adam threw Eve under the bus to shift the blame of his disobedience. And it seems, if need be, we will discount the very character of God to camouflage our disobedience. Plain and simple, as beautiful, as purpose as our children are, they do not provide justification for us going against the will of God. Some say, well, God allowed it. Again, his permissive will is not his perfect will. Let us pause for a moment and review the foundational principles of science in human anatomy. First and foremost, God is the creator of all things, including the human anatomy and science. The law and principles of human anatomy and science is God's way of, for lack of a better word, putting things on autopilot. God created the laws of nature and put them in place. And like it or not, they are not going to change. And like it or not, they apply to us all. So scientifically speaking, according to the naturalistic components of the laws of human anatomy, which God has ordained, happen to dictate if a woman who is ovulating engages in sexual intercourse, she is likely to become pregnant. The science of that process has not been given authority to take into consideration if the process was ignited in a manner disobedient to the commandments of God or not. Now, if God, who could have, would have given science the authority to make that determination, our free will would have been compromised, making God's word faulty. So I say all of that to say this. If you, like me, have had children outside of marriage, as big of a blessing as our children are, they are simply physical manifestations of God's grace. Because of his grace, he permitted their birth. But our repentance is still required because we, not our children, sinned against God. 
The word of God tells us in Proverbs 12 and 24 that the diligent hands will rule, meaning anything anyone is diligent about doing or determined to do, he or that thing will rule. My dad used to say, if you work it, it'll work. The word of God is true and the principles of God are consistent. If someone is diligent, even in wrongdoing, he or she will be profitable in their wrongdoing. But their diligence concerning their wrongdoing is not God's permissive will, even though he does not choose to intercede. We must be mindful that if we as believers are determined to stand firm on embracing the permissive will of God, then we have to lend the concept to cover every sin, every wrong, and every crime. Because every time anyone sins, regardless of the sin, if God doesn't strike them down immediately, that means his grace was allotted. So is that also permissive will? Hmm, now all of a sudden, permissive will doesn't sound so engaging, does it? I repeat again, God has given us free will. And it's our sincere relationship with him which determines what we do with our free will and what we allow to transpire in our lives. My absolute favorite scripture is Proverbs 19.21. And it reads, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's plans that prevails. God is going to get his way because he's God. It's just so much easier on us if we would just follow his perfect will and stop settling for what we have labeled as his permissive will, which stems from our rejection of his plans. See, God's plan is for all of our children to be born to a loving married couple who are committed to the will and the word of God so that the child's chances of battling the issues of insecurity, abuse, abandonment, and so on are lessened. God's plan is that you have that business that you want without you having to sacrifice time from your family, without you having to make any illegal moves that cause you to constantly look over your shoulder. God's plan is that we discipline our flesh and not give into the passions of our heart so that we can properly discern the character of the whole person, their soul and their intentions before entering into marriage without a hint of holiness so that every marriage is holy and purpose for the exaltation of the kingdom of God. God's plan is that you have the desires of your heart without drowning in debt. God's plan is that we not live as slaves to debt, but that we live debt free. God's plan is that the church be the center of the community, that believers impact all of those that they come in contact with. That we become more focused on bringing the culture of heaven to earth than we are about going to heaven. In Matthew 11, the Lord says, 
His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But we impose a hard and heavy yoke on God when we walk in disobedience to his word. We make God work overtime, most of the time. What do I mean? You know, we love the quote, Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who is called according to his plan. The workings of all things is God rerouting our detours, cleaning up our mess, and revamping what we have made ugly. All of the things birthed out of our disobedience, all of the things birthed out of our rebellion against his will and his way. I want to close with James 1 and 12, which reads, Blessed is the one who remains steadfast under trial, for when they have stood the test, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. The test is what we started out with today. The turning away from the ways of the world. The commitment to the renewing of our minds. God has made a promise to give us the crown of life in exchange for us loving him. If you love God, trust his plan, follow his way, and stop settling for the permissive will of God. Go for the goal. Go for the perfect will of God. Remember, when you start your day with truth, blessings throughout the remainder of the day is inevitable.